There is hope for us yet We are young, we are I am Laura McCowan, and I am Holly Whitaker, and this is Home Podcast. (laughs) We don't usually do this where we can see each other. Oh, fuck. What a weekend. I can't poop, and Laura got dumped by text message. (laughs) So both of us are doing great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, got, I got home from Hong Kong and got dumped within, you know. Hey, babe, hours. welcome back to the United States. By the way, I want to be single. <laughs> I've loved the two-year relationship. XOXO. Yes. Anyway, let's, uh, okay, let's yeah, talk right. about the conversation we just had. Oh, you don't want to talk about my constipation? Oh, sure, if you want. <laughs> oh, no, I was No, oh, I don't want to talk about my breakup is what uh, I don't want. Yeah, I know. Okay, so we just finished our interview with your your coach, Gina Lorenzo. Yeah, so Gina, um, yes, she is my coach. She was my coach. I haven't um, worked with her in that capacity for a few months, but I she is a um, we brought her on for the second episode uh, about eating disordered or disordered eating. Um, as someone you know, an outside perspective, she's a holistic. Um, life coach and she also um, went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and is someone who is also sober from alcohol and drugs uh, and battled both of those things. So we brought her on to talk about her experience with that and you know also how she treats her clients for both eating disorders and you know through in recovery. Her primary focus in in coaching, uh, she's done a lot of things, but uh, in terms of what she coaches for, but she started out as um, dealing with disordered eating and uh, particularly females. So, so yeah, we we just had that conversation. And what did you think, Hall? <laughs> I think that it ran contrary to a lot of stuff that I believe and understand. I think that she had a great she did a great job talking about. The spiritual aspect of things, and she did a great job about talking about the feminine aspect of things. But when we talk about recovery from eating disorders, specifically, I mean, just because I know, because um, I have, uh, we have to look at it holistically. And I think that there was a lot of omission on on the level of, you know, I think there is there was the whole. She went to a. She has a, a degree from the Integral Institute of Nutrition, um, and yet at the same time, we didn't really get into the stuff that I know is so desperately necessary when healing from addiction, which is balancing our bodies using using what we know to work and what we know to work from the latest science, which is you mean the nutritional the stuff. nutritional aspect, the physiological aspect. Yeah, I mean, if right. I their amino acid therapy like saved my life. Balancing my neurochemicals was part of it. Working on balancing more hormones is part of it. Working on balancing my gut health is part of it. Detoxing my liver is part of it. And and that's been a part that has helped me, um, and and a part that I felt was. Um, was lacking in the conversation was was a lot of it was a lot of context around that and so I just you know there was that and then there was also a bit of that part about um how it's okay to you know to meet people where they're at when it comes to eating disorders but when it comes to drinking it, you just need to stop 
um, and and one day at a time, you know, and that whole assumption that one day at a time works for everybody. So it was, you know, it was not, it was not, I don't know, it, it just, it was, it was, it was hard to sit through some of it. And so I guess I'm starting out this part of, by, by saying the piece that, um, which is, I think, one of the first things that we've encountered on this, really, because for the most part, every time we've had an interview, I mean, I haven't felt like, oh, I don't want that information out there, or oh, that's misleading, you know, and, and I think that this is a really nice part to experience, which is, you know, because you and I just had a conversation where I was like, I don't want that out there, and we're going to go ahead and do it, but we get to actually also say that we don't always have to agree with with some of the content that is brought onto the show by people we interview. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're we're we made this a three part series. Like next we're bringing on um, a doctor who uh, deals specifically with this, um, the works at mass general, you know, so we're getting that perspective too. And I think, yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is not the Holly and Laura show, but it, um, you know, we, we bring people on who have different perspectives and I think this is, it was good to experience, you know, in an interview where we're not necessarily in alignment with everything that the person is saying. And I, you know, you, I did not, I found a lot of the things that she said really helpful. Um, but I also, you know, she has a perspective that, um, and it's, it's a perspective. So, so that's, you know, I think that's all we say before we get into it, right? Yeah, I also think for a lot of you, of anybody really looking at the nutritional side of this or the, or the you know, disordered eating side of this, um, what, two things. First, we didn't talk about body dysmorphia, and that's such an important part of this. And for some reason, it's, it's really hard to tackle, and hopefully we'll get to that part when we talk to... Yeah. yeah. But uh, another part I'd really like to point out is that I loved our conversation with Mary Vance about nutrition, which actually goes into the stuff that I was talking about today. Um, and we'll have her on again. And also um, we'll continue to vet out because I think just outside of disordered eating, there's also just this, this, this stuff around eating that happens to a lot of us. Once yeah. we once we remove alcohol, we're because our because alcohol it's a toxin, it's a toxin, and it's been masking imbalances within our body. And once we remove it, all of us to some degree experience um, experience weird stuff with food. And so I think it's it's. Yeah. I just want to say we'll have this three part series, but. You know, this is a collection of information, and I want everyone to feel like this is not the end of it. This is not just three and done. This is really something that we'll have to continue to explore and bring different people on so that we can each individually form our own opinions around what is right for ourselves. Oh, yeah, totally. And and it's, I mean, we're learning very, you know, we both experience this, um, but we're, we're learning as we, mm. we're learning as we go, and we're learning with, with all of you, and yeah. All right. With uh, that being said, I love you. Love you. Have a poopy Sunday. Ugh. I hope for poop in your future. Yeah, me too. Send me a lot of poop poop emojis. <laughs> <laughs> you know Ugh. that poop emoji is called the happy poop. Is it? But then yeah. send me the happy poop. A lot of them. Okay. Bye. Bye. So, hey, Gina. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Yeah, happy Sunday with the time change. I hate <gasps> losing that hour. 
I didn't know until I woke up and it was 9.38 and I thought, how did I sleep till 9.38? That feels wrong. And yeah. Um, <laughs> So I know I do. I don't like it either, but I love that it's happening because we get the extra hour of sun. Right. Right. It's just, I have, you know, I have a two and a half year old and I have a four year old. Oh God. So I'm always sleep deprived and losing that last hour. I feel like the universe (laughs) is against me and like punishing me. I'm like, no, but it's fine. It's good. Yeah. (laughs) So, so we're going to jump right in. Um, so what what to you and and really quickly this is our second episode as you know of the um, eating disorders and so we're you know we're so excited to talk to you because you have a ton of experience in talking to people about this and helping yeah. treat people. So Good way to put that. Yep. What do you what is disordered eating to you? How would you how would you define it? Yeah. So I think. I think there's two ways to define it. I think if you look, you know, you were to look up on, you know, WebMD or, or um, what a basic definition is. It's in general, it refers to a wide range of abnormal eating behaviors from binging to dieting, obsessing, not eating. There's obviously bulimia, anorexia. There's something called, oh, I should have looked this up, I think orthorexia, where you're just, you're trying to be so healthy, it becomes unhealthy, like you won't eat anything if it's not organic, and the GMOs, and becoming so crazy around it. Um, so that's part of it. I think on a deeper level, uh, it's when you're using food as a distraction for what's really going on in your life. And I think when it's replacing what your primal needs are. So the, you know, there's a difference in like, oh, I just want to lose five pounds. And a disordered eating is when you're really missing, whether it's love or creativity or spiritual, something spiritual or emotionally, you're really damaged and you need something to survive. And it's like, it gets lost in translation. Um, something that I know someone with disordered eating wouldn't understand. We think our bodies are working against us. Like our life has punished us. As you know, when you're in that food, it's so hard to get out and hopeless, but to realize that your body is always working for you and it's trying to tell you something. And it's like, it gets lost in translation. So that hunger that we have for those things that we need as human beings, right? Again, love or, um, acceptance into your family or your tribe or if there's a spiritual hole there we think it's food it's a hunger and oh it's food and then the deeper psyche that we're not paying attention to is like oh let me make that the focus because it's fixable you know we know if we have a problem with food the the solution is I got to figure out how to lose weight or I got to figure out how to get this under control and we don't have to look at the real problems that may not have such a um, easy fix but that we need for survival. Um, so I think that, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have all kinds of things to say to that, but I guess, (laughs) (laughs) I guess, um, this can go into what your own experiences with disordered eating Mm -hmm. and then, you know, how it kind of led you to your work and describing your work. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I feel I'm a, I've come from, I'm a binger, you know, and I was a compulsive overeater binger. Um, I was not bulimic or anorexic. And I think what's important, um, I think now it's out there more is that people realize that there's so many different kinds of disordered eating or eating disorders. It doesn't have to fall into one of those two categories, but I always say I like came out of the womb, like ready to binge, you know, I just, I love sugar 
I was very much like tried to get it any way that I could. Um, and I just, there's, I want to put out there before I, so there's this book, if anyone's listening, it's called eating in the light of the moon. Have you guys heard Ooh, of it? No, have it's so You have to get it and read it tonight. Um, it's so good. And this woman runs the, the author and I don't know the woman, I get nothing from promoting this. I just think it, um, she runs an eating disorder clinic in Hawaii okay. and she uses the eating disorder as a, um, like a metaphor, a translation of our experience with our own feminine energy within us and in the world. Okay. And that when you go into that disordered eating, there's just showing this imbalance and showing all the beautiful things that a woman possesses that would lead her to have the eating disorder. So you're actually like almost proud to have gone through it because of who you are. Oh. Um, and so one of the things I'm just going to read this quote, uh, that she had, let me look for it. But one of the things she said in her work is she realized, you know, there's no specific, um, outward thing that seemed to lead to it. You know, there are people that obviously they come from really, um, families where they weren't accepted or there was abuse, but there were people that came from great families or, right. you know, um, but what she said was that she, um, okay, so I learned that as very young girls, these women were bright and gifted and had an exceptional ability to perceive subtle realities. More often than not, a woman who struggled with disordered eating was once a girl who saw the invisible, who read between the lines, who sensed when things were not right. She noticed when people said one thing but did another. She could discern certain patterns of behavior and anticipate what was to come next. She knew when someone was being sincere or dishonest. Her family, for one reason or another, did not appreciate her gift. Um, they did. She has ultra sensitivity to emotional undercurrents and were probably precocious. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that I, I put that in the beginning, yeah. too, because I, I need to put out there, like, my family life was pretty good. You know, I can't blame, like, oh, my mom and my dad and there was this stuff going on. Right. But what I do know about myself is I'm so sensitive. I'm so sensitive. And, you know if there's somewhere there that didn't appreciate it or like I was so emotional and so, so much energy and, and what happens now people, Oh, it's ADD or it's this, and we need to figure out how to calm it down. Um, and so I think whether it's your family or just what, wherever you are, if you're not able to really appreciate that sensitivity, then you start looking, it's like, how else am I going to calm that down and deal with these emotions that I'm having that nobody else is allowing me to have, or I don't know what to do with them. And of course, if you are actually going through something and people aren't allowing you to acknowledge or have a place to go with those emotions. Um, so for me, like I said, I, I, I feel like there was both, there's a sense in me and I still do. I am someone who loves food. I'm a sugar addict. Like I love sweets and, um, whether I have an eating disorder or not, I think that's always, uh, something that was driving me. Um, I found a certain freedom. Um, you know, it was like, finally, like I get to, you know, I get to eat. Like that was the thing that for me was, um, like when it came around time to eat, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think in terms of if there's anything in my home life, um, my mom was very structured with the eating. We ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was healthy. I was allowed one snack. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was like when finally I was at a friend's house or my mom wasn't around, it was like, let me eat as much as I can, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then just moving forward, I, I feel like half of me was healthy. And then there was that it's a hidden thing. And so I was in ballet and I was very much with an old school teachers and, uh, it, 
people who were really skinny were revered. You know, these were the ones that were going to make it in ballet. So there was always a sense that there was something wrong with me. There was something wrong with my stomach, you know, and I was complimented after I'd been sick. And, uh, and so it was just this thing. So like I said, I was a binger and I couldn't figure out what it was. There was always just this point where all of a sudden I just had to eat everything in sight. And then I would kind of calm down from that and then I'd be fine for a while and then I would binge. And this was just a pattern that, uh, you know, when I got to college, I had gained the freshman 30, I think. But it was always for me this up and down, five pounds, 20 pounds, up and up and down, up and down. I was never stable. And was and it always, like an obsession for you? Like you're, you're, Oh my God. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I was, it was always about like, what am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? Um, I, I could get a hand, I could control it for a little while. You know, I would get on the diet or I'd get on the food plan. Um, for me, I think what was missing for me was, uh, uh creativity when I'm really creative, I'm good. And if I'm not, then I'm just kind of a mess and looking for yeah. things. And, um, but yeah, in college, like I would eat my roommate's food. It was always like an yeah. attack. It would come out of nowhere, you know, and all of a sudden it was like, I had to eat. And yes, like, you know, alcohol played like into that. Compulsion. <clears throat> hmm. I think that's and, interesting. Um, that one thing, like I got actually, I talked about this, about how much I, how I used to binge on my roommate's food. Um, uh-huh. And I got so many responses from people that said that they did that exact same thing. I think it's so funny uh, because because I'm assuming you didn't have your own like you were restricting your own food somehow. And well, then, that's why, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, because you. It's like I would have my vegetable. I would have everything that I thought I would need, but yeah. then and like I said, for me, it was always this attack. I would be fine for like a week. Of course, I was always control. Like, okay, I'm eating this, and what's yeah. the next meal? What am I not eating? But then all of a sudden, I would be like, oh my gosh, I have to, and I would start eating because everybody else had cookies or chocolate yeah. or granola, whatever yeah. pizza things that I wasn't allowing myself to eat and then there would be notes the next day like who ate my food oh, so <laughs> oh god you know? I know I know um and when and then as I got into adulthood I would do that and then I'd have to go out and like buy you know buy their food yep. uh, and like replace it and um yeah I, I think it came to a head for like I said I I managed to hide it um, so what would happen is when I was doing great, I was out in the world, I was doing everything, I was with my friends, and then if I started binging, then I would just disappear. Like all of a sudden, like, like I'd call in sick from work, I wouldn't do anything with my friends, but I'd make them think that I was just really busy and doing a lot of things. So nobody knew. They thought I was like off doing something else while I was hiding at home, trying to get it together. Oh, um, it's like drinking. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, it all it all ties in, I think. Different yeah. addictions are yeah. different, but yeah, we are, want to talk about there's that. a through line, of course. And so, so the turning point for me came as an adult. I had gone through some stuff, and then um, I probably I was in my late twenties, and it was really it was out of control. Like I couldn't, you know, get it together. And it was it was I wasn't able to show up for my life. You know, I was at the time I was an actress, and I I look back and I have forgiveness around it now, but I feel like the reason I wasn't able to ever quite make it as an actress was because of this. I remember I had a friend who had gone to, um, they had, Harvard had a theater program and it was like nine to 11, six days a week for a, a year. And I remember thinking I could never do that. What happens if I binged and I couldn't make it to class oh. the next day? Like the thought of being that present for something, like I, I was like, I, I'm, I had to have breaks in life so that I yeah. could, you know, know that I had space to recover from that. And so, Gosh. um, for me, it all it all kind of came together. It was drinking for me as well. Started to, I would black out when I drank, and then I would eat 
And so I was like, obviously, here's a problem. And so 13 years ago, I really started on every level searching for, you know, what's the meaning of life and how do I get this under control and just this search. Uh, And I went through everything. I started following this shaman around and I started, you know, I I heard about different support groups and um, and it's been an up and down road. I don't think it's something, especially eating disorders, it's so hard because it's not a quick fix. Yeah, and I would think I was fine and then go backwards. Because you I have think to I was eat. Fine. Yeah. And it changes. You know, what my issues are today are not what they were back then, mm-hmm. even though it's so much better. I'm so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's more mental things involved. And, and I have a solution. But um, I, it just was one of where it, the when I had to change was when that was becoming I wasn't able to get those parts of my life where I was good for two or three weeks. You know, it started to be like every day I was trying to battle this. Um, and so, yeah, so that brings me where I'm at today. I just, because I've met many and worked with many mentors and, and people who have helped me, then I was in a position to be able to help other people. And then I went to Institute for Integrative Nutrition because mm-hmm. I thought this would be a cool way to actually make a living since it's something that I do a lot of and you know, why not? And Institute for Integrative Nutrition was great. So it gave what, me What is it? Just like quickly. Yeah, for people, it's like, I think everybody knows what it is. So Institute for Integrative Nutrition started off as this nutrition school in New York City. And it, it the man who runs it just thought if I could find a way to, just because in the medical field, they don't touch on nutrition. Not to say that I'm, I'm, fully supportive, obviously, of of medical doctors and everything they bring. But when it comes to the nutrition aspect of what's wrong with you, they They don't, they don't, that's not a part of the equation. And the other thing that they teach at Institute for Integrative Nutrition is your primary foods. So primary foods are spirituality, career, love, um, relationships, and um, physical activity. I think those are the four. Saying those are the, if those are out of balance, your nutrition is going to be out of balance. So nutrition is part of it. But that this has to be, so how do we intertwine the two and have, so his, his, uh, thing is to have what are now called health coaches is to help you along with that. It's like, we all know how many calories we should eat and what we should be eating and why we're not. So why aren't we doing it? So there's something else going on there. And so this, what they do is they bring in all the different efforts. So we also get to see what's going on in the government that's not supporting being healthy in this you know, in this country and what's going on in politics and what's going on, um, with, with, uh, with our spiritual, you know, life, all of, so they cover everything so that when you're talking to someone, you realize there's not one fix for everybody. Right. Yeah. It's gotta be a tailor-made fix for, cause what works for one person doesn't work for another one. So it's a year long program. You, you fit it into your life as you're doing your other job or whatever it is and then they really help set you up so you can run it as a business and he wants to help as many people you know in the world to really shift around their thoughts around food their life um and so yeah and and it's for me it was it was life-changing I think what what set me from one side to the other was was going there so were you sober when you um sober from alcohol and drugs when you yes yes when you did that yeah. Um, yeah. I let's see. I decided to do Institute for Integrative Nutrition um, when I was pregnant with my son because I had this moment where I was like, if I don't do it now, I'm gonna have to wait till I'm 18 or he's 18 before I can do anything again. So let's just jump into it. And yes, at that point, I had really good recovery with my food. I wasn't drinking, um, 
And so that, you know, helps to make those clear, really clear decisions um, and just kind of gave it that extra. And it helped my pregnancy. Oh, God. I remember when I was, when I, my whole life, I remember thinking, I can't wait to be pregnant because it's like guilt free, free for all. I can eat whatever I want. You know, and uh, I didn't. I was so healthy during my pregnancy, you know, and it was through all of this that that really helped me to know, like, what to do and what to eat and how to be and take care of myself. So, yeah. So um, so I guess that's a good segue into your recovery story. You know, I know it's hard to, like, summarize (laughs) a recovery story (laughs) and. a few minutes but just because yeah, no, of course. and the reason you know obviously this that's what we're centered on and are the basis of all these discussions mm-hmm. and and what we have found and what a lot of um people write us, us about especially holly because she talks mm-hmm. about her um her disorder eating story a lot um more is mm-hmm. the linkage you know between alcohol especially for women between between addictions drugs and alcohol and and eating mm-hmm. disordered eating so yeah and bef- really quick before you start i thought it was really interesting mm-hmm. that passage that you read from the the, the um eating in the eating light, the of, light the of the moon yeah i want yeah. people to hear that yeah well i think it's interesting because what i was when i was read when you were reading that and what i was thinking about was one of the things that it, it occurred to me is that food is kind of our first might be you know our first addiction but when I think about a lot of the stories that I encounter with people that are that are struggling with substance abuse, that's the same thing. I th- that's the same exact thing. I think totally it's the sensitive. Yes. It's the sensitive population. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. just food. It's just it's. I think it's all addictions that that I, I think are fed by that 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 thing that you that you read the quote about. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, before you start, I, I was hoping you might touch on that as well when answering that question. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and I think that's, that's important because um, so a lot of people struggle that necessarily doesn't go right into eating disorder or alcoholism, and I, and I feel like it's important to talk to, like, everybody who is struggling with some sort of fear, or and you'll hear from people who are struggling with addiction or in recovery that, you know, say like, I didn't feel like I was born with the rule book for life, you know, Mm. it's just because, um, and what they talk about in eating in the light of the moon is that it's very important to balance in the world and within ourselves, the, the masculine and the feminine energy. Mm. And as Mm. you know, I don't think it's a surprise that we kind of value more of the masculine, the doing and the fixing and the action and the moving forward and being still, being intuitive, listening to what's going on with ourselves, taking time out, like that's just not okay anymore. You know, we can't, and especially since we're all so connected, it's like, I need something at midnight on a Friday night, like, you know, get it to me now. And so, um, so when those things are out of balance, I just, I don't think we really honor people who are, are incredibly sensitive. And so as a young age, you know, the, the kid who's always crying or who's always upset or right, or sees or notices what's going on, and it's not okay. Um, again, it becomes it, it's all it's. What's important is that it's all connected. So while addiction is partly uh, physical, it's an allergy in the body. You just get something in you, and then you just can't control it. P- part of it stems too. Um, it's about survival. So at a young age, when you're worried about oh my gosh, I see something going on with my parents. And there at that moment when you're four years old, that's your higher power. That's like your connection to God. So it's like, it's, 
if I notice this is go or if this is acknowledged, then my whole life is going to fall apart. You know, yeah. what happens to yeah. me? Um, well, it's that root chakra, right? I mean, do you ever pair mm-hmm. this stuff with the root? Ch- I mean, I, I always go back and I love explanations when they're talking about the root <coughs> chakra, the first chakra, mm-hmm. which is that sense of safety and grounding. And when that goes mm-hmm. out, you go and you look for that safety and grounding in other sources. And one of the first sources Absolutely. I think is available to you is food, right? It's food, yeah. right? Because at that age, where else are you going to go? I mean, there's right. only, and so food, again, I think this, this journey, the spiritual journey, whatever you want, the journey of recovery, the spiritual journey, it has to involve all of it. It has to be spiritual and it has to be human. And part of it is that we are in our bodies. We have to feel our bodies. So you're going, and, and what's an immediate reaction? It's like, let me eat. And with that food, just get grounded. Yeah. You know, when I eat, I'm going to feel and I'm like in my body and yes, eventually it numbs you out. But when you're eating, it's you're eating to get, or the taste, um, you know, that, that, uh, when you guys were talking with Elena Brower and she was saying it was her treat, you know, it's, it, that for me, it was like, Oh, you know, the sweets, that was my treat. It was a moment of perceived happiness or perceived something nice. And so as, you know, as you're growing and what's developing you is, your thoughts, your physicality, everything, you start to become this person that then your body, because of those sensitivities, is then also um, has the, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess the potential or the opening to be um, an addictive person because we need those things. And because I think it's important, it's just, it's all connected. And so that as you're developing, like, I think, depending on what's going on in your life and outside conditions and inside conditions. Yes, we're born with a certain set of things, but whether you go in this direction or that direction, I think can really inform how you're going to end up dealing with your life. Um, and so, you know, and I want, I want to be careful how I word that because also it's, it's, if someone is addicted to drugs or is an alcoholic, if you look, it doesn't matter what their external circumstances, it's something that's just inside of you. But I think there are certain things that can trigger that and the way that it goes. Um, and so recovery, and this one is, is also, I feel it can be tricky because I want to make sure it reaches everyone is that the moment that we change is the moment that we go to something bigger than ourselves and ask for help. And so, you know, I don't, for some of us that may be God, for some of us that may be spirit or angels, but I also want to, for someone that doesn't believe in God or doesn't want to hear that or go in that direction, your inner guidance system. I really believe that inside of you is the answer and solution to anything that comes up in your life. Yeah. You know, if you, yeah. if you can accept that this came up for your greater good and that at some point you do become grateful for all of these things, even yeah. though it took a long time, you know, and I'm sure, you know, if, if anyone who, who struggles with eating, you're not grateful. It's awful. I wouldn't worship, wish it upon my worst enemy. You know, it's just so powerless and hopeless, but, um, so do you, is that um, where you kind of start? Like, is that, is that where it started for you? Your I haven't, yes, for me, I think because it's easy for me to go into, I, I, uh, like I you were predisposed call- to believe in some, Something. Yeah, my husband calls me a closet introvert because if you'd meet me, I and and because of the change, like I love being around people and I'm social, but there's a part of me that has to be, I like to be alone and in solitude. So it's easy for me to just be like, okay, and I'm just gonna meditate and I'm gonna ask God and I'm gonna, you know, just the easy go route. Inside. So I feel like for me, life is like, no, 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 you have to go out there. You need to put yourself out there. So so my change came in asking other people for help, like listening. 
uh, at the time I had moved from New York to LA and it was after 9-11 and, um, and I rem- and that's when my, my, I just felt like I couldn't, like the binging would just keep piling on. And I noticed that there were other, I was an actress and just in working at a restaurant. And so I noticed that there were people who were openly talking about the same thing and that they had God for help. So I thought, well, what did they do? They were talking about eating disorder, like um, yeah, binging it was eating or... disorders. Yeah, I, I met someone who, who was sober and, and so I was listening to her story and I thought that sounds so interesting. Like I'd never heard of, you know, the taking it the spiritual route, you know, or the 12 steps or anything or like that. Eating, and so. Exactly. And so, and then through that, I realized like, wow, there's, um, in my acting class, there were a couple girls who were struggling with their eating disorders, but were in recovery. And I was like, wow, okay, what's that about? You know, and asking them, um, and just kept it in my periphery. And, and I remember telling my girlfriend, I was afraid of the holidays because I didn't know how I was going to be able to handle myself around Thanksgiving or around Christmas. And, and, and this is sober. This is you. As... No, I wasn't sober yet. Okay. I, okay. I recovered from food first. Oh. And then I, and then I stopped drinking. Because of food for me, I didn't think that, you know, drinking was an issue. Um, and so, but what would happen is that then as I got uh, in recovery with food, Did I was doing really look? well. Yeah. And then I would drink and yeah. then I would binge. Okay. And so I was like, and I, and I kept, I kept, you know, I avoided that as long as I could until finally it was just obvious that this was connected. This was an issue. So I a lot of, in order. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot. Sorry. I know um, a lot of people goes reverse. Like, or yes. the ones that, that we encounter. The ones that we encounter. But there's also like incidents. And I am, I'm curious about this. But there's also a lot of incidents mm-hmm. where people get their like gastric bypass who never had a drinking problem before. And then all of a sudden yeah. it becomes drinking. So I'm curious when yeah. you actually address the food stuff, did it actually exacerbate the, the the drinking stuff or other stuff? Like did it, was it whack-a-mole with that? Like it blew up the other? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, yes, the drinking then became instead of uh, just once in a while, like, oh, you know, you just drinking would kind of go past where I would have liked it to go. It was then every time I drank, yeah. you know, because yeah. it was like my body, again, if you're not dealing with, or even as you're dealing with the root cause of what's going on, like, yeah. what are you hungry for? What's missing? Where, you know, where are you going to for survival? Then yeah. it's just going to keep bouncing around from one to another. And I know, yeah, it, people get sober and then all of a sudden they're, they have the food issue because yeah. <laughs> it's like you just yeah. transfer it over. And I think too, not to scare people, uh, to realize that in that moment, it's okay. You're actually going to play that whack-a-mole for a while while yeah. you're trying to restructure your foundation. And that's why it's so important. I think to have community around you, wherever you find that, whether you find it in a religious group or whether you go to a 12 step program or whether you just know people that have been through it and are there for you. Or, um, I know Elena Brower brought up make, uh, make miracles with Gabby Bernstein. You know, she's created a great community of women who are just very open going through whatever it is they are in life. So if you mm-hmm. have that community, then you also know you can, that, that, Oh, okay. Even though I'm going from here to here to here, they can hold that space for you and say, but it, it, there's a purpose to it and you're rebuilding your foundation and you will get better. And it does yeah. get to here. 
And so I think that, you know, that's important that you're going to play whack-a-mole for a while because you're trying to figure it all out. You know, we're searching. We're searching for something. Well, and I think the moles get smaller too. I mean, it's not like it starts out and it's a fucking mess. And then over time, I think that it starts like, I know for me, at least in my experience and, and a lot of people that I've come into contact with, it just gets... There, it's not as big. It's not as mm-hmm. it's not ruling your life. And also, some of them just go away over time. I mean, it it really does become a more um, it becomes a more uh, manageable game. Um, yeah. Well, I think that um, one of the things that's really important and it's hard to grasp, especially when we're struggling with anything, is that if you can come from the fact that your body is always working in your favor, it's always trying mm-hmm. to tell you what it needs. We just need a different translator yeah. so that you know when you're if you're addicted to this thing or needing this or obsessed with that that. Um, if you can stop for a second and take a step back and listen to, well, what is it that I need? And so over time, as you're able to fill up your life with those things, then you won't need, you know, as much anymore. I mean, I don't, I haven't binged and I don't know how long, like I, and I, I remember when I started in recovery and I'd be like, no, you don't understand. Like I'm really bad. Like this is something <laughs> yeah. that's never going to go away. Yeah. Um, but there's still something there. I, I, it can still obsess over things or, or it becomes more now just an inside thing where all of a sudden I'll realize like, I'm just not happy. Like something's Mm -hmm. off and I can't figure out what it is. And so maybe I'll try this diet or maybe I'll look at this book. Like I still look for answers in finding the perfect food plan. Mm -hmm. But, um, and so I realized for me now it's more a quality of life thing. Like, do I really want to spend another Saturday? Like, you know, just, Oh, I like look like this. I feel like this and blah, 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 because on Fridays, that's my night to go out and eat, you know, whatever I want. Um, not, and, and that's okay. It's just, again, it's realizing what are the consequences of things. I, you know, now I can eat dessert and leave it at that, but I'm still somewhat like I can't have sugar or, or a, a, it's a decision not to have sugar for the most part in my diet. Like yeah. I just don't eat yeah. it. I just don't touch it. Um, because it's just, no matter what, it's not worth it. it yeah, it just doesn't have a good reaction in me. Yeah. Um, I think where, it's so mm-hmm. interesting. Like that notion of your body is working for you is very, um, it like caught, I, caught, I caught on that because I, for so long, I mean, probably from the time I was 13, 14 to, I don't know, early 30s. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt like my body was my enemy, you know, like I had to yeah. beat it down. And it was very, it's a, it's a, it's a scary um, prospect to think of shifting that to trust, yeah. to trust that your body is actually working for you, you know, that you don't have to beat it into submission. And mm-hmm. how do you, how do you start to get people to like, to, to pivot to that? So I think um, in uh, I'm just going to paraphrase from eating in the light of the moon because she says it in a way that would be much better than I could. And then I'll I'll give another analogy that I thought was fun, too. But so she's saying, imagine that you are like on this uh, on the bank of a a river and there's a huge uh, storm and you slip and you fall into the river and, you know, you could wash away, you could drown, but you find a log and you manage to hold on to the log. It saves you in that moment. Then the, um, the storm passes and it's, t- you know, you see that the, the other side is way over there and there's people over there saying, come on, come on, just let go of the log and come swim over here. And you just can't, you can't because you're afraid that you're not going to be able to make it all the way over there. Wow. Now, if 
so there's two ways it could go. Say you decide to let go of the log and swim over there. What happens halfway through if you can't make it? You don't have the energy or the strength to make it. You can't go that way and you can't go back and you're stuck. You're, you're going to drown. And so that's kind of how it is with an eating disorder. She says with anyone, when they're showing resistance, you have to honor that resistance because they're not, they don't have the tools to cope without that yet. And so she said, first, if you're again, taking the analogy of the log, you take um, your hands off, you let yourself kind of scramble around for a little bit. You put your hands back on. Okay, we're going to try it again. I'm going to try the water for a little bit. I'm a little tired. I'm going to hang back on. Okay, now I'm going to swim around in circles around the log, build up my strength. Okay, now I'm good. All right, now I'm going to like, you know, practice going all the way down and around and under. Okay, now I think I have the strength to swim to the other, th- to the other side. Yeah. And it's the same thing, you know, I know people, um, for anyone listening who doesn't have an eating disorder but knows someone and it's so, you know, it's frustrating because you feel like how do I help them? Um, sending them to the nutritionist to say like, you need to eat 1200 calories. It's like, we know that, or just, you know, just stop eating or just stop doing it. We can't because again, our body is always focused on survival. And as young people, cause usually this starts when we're young, but it can always, you know, trigger at whatever we're focused on survival. That's what we're worried about. Not like who we're going to be and how's our quality of life and what's my spirituality. We're just thinking about survival. And so whether we realize it or not, like, right. No, of course we don't, you know, we don't, it's just, that's the beauty of like, you know, youth and children is you're just being, you're just living. Um, and so, you know, and survival can really mean, look, I'm trying to keep myself from killing myself because I'm so overwhelmed with whatever emotions come up, but you know, whatever that is, is that until and and we do that and the way we do that is it starts with like I said somehow asking someone or yourself or God or somewhere help I need help I need help and and starting with that and realizing okay I can go to this community or support group that's going to hold my hand when they tell me like I don't have to throw up tonight and I'm terrified how am I going to do that and you have people to call or when you pray and you have that moment inside of you, um, if you decide to say, okay, I'm going to go to God for help or my inner spirit that says you can do this. Like, and so it starts with that and we start to build, you know, tools and, and meditation as well. You know, some people can't meditate. The thought of being alone with themselves and their thoughts for 20 minutes is like, you know, traumatizing. So we start with like 30 seconds, you know, and, and again, it's building up those tools so that when you're letting go of the food and you're trying to let go of the addiction, you have, strength and support and tools around you to be able to carry yourself forward. It's something that I had heard too is, is, is you know, you can't replace drinking with not drinking, <clears throat> excuse me, or you can't replace eating with not yeah. eating. Yeah. There has to be something else there, whether it's people, whether it's something that you've always wanted to do, some, it has to be replaced with something else that's filling up that hunger that you had. Gina, I have a question. So you say this mm-hmm. about this. I love the log analogy. Like I, I love it a lot. Um, and I, I work with I work with people teaching them how to be sober. And one of the things that I always use <clears> is like uh, an idea of keeping the bandaid on, which is kind of the antithesis of what some programs, you know, some abstinence only based programs mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. really preach. It's more like harm reduction towards towards sobriety. I'm curious if you would say that same thing about food as you would about alcohol. Like the same anal- if you could use the same analogy about alcohol that you would about food in that whole line of thought that you just gave. Yeah, no, and yes and no. And I think this this also this goes to one of your questions towards the end that had something about like how, um I don't know how to Oh, it's the yeah, order of if you have someone that has a 
addiction, an alcohol, a drug addiction, and an eating disorder? Is there yeah. like a order of priority in how you? Yes, it? exactly. So, where food is different, and this is what I liked about Institute for Integrative Nutrition, where they say, look, not one thing works for everyone, and I think that. Um, you know, again, with food, you have to take so many other things into consideration. So one is in order for it to work, there has to be an element of 100% compassion for yourself and from those around you and 100% brutal honesty. You have to be so honest about what your triggers are, what's working, what's not working. And there's no shame in that. So I think there's different things. I was at a place where I needed to cut that out. You know, I needed to cut out the sugar and the flour because in my system, it was as though um, in, in for alcoholism, um, you know, they say like it's, it's an allergy in the body, right? You take the alcohol and because the alcohol is in your system, then you want more. So just cut it out and then good, you're done. For food, there are some things that are going to be like that for people. There are some trigger foods for people. They have it in their system and it just causes an immediate reaction. And I would say... Um, hopefully if this person is working with someone who can just be really in tune with what's going on with them, we would say for now, you know, not forever, we're going to cut these things out because these things are, are part of it. Um, for some people, because that, that perfectionism is a part of what the issue is, I would say, don't do that. Don't do that because what they need to do is learn to be forgiving and learn to listen and learn to be able to eat whatever they need to. And, you know, some of that is going to be with uh, a lot of um, stops and starts. Um, but again, if you can really find someone or some, you know, a community or a, whatever that is that can really reflect that back to you and hold your hand through it, then that it could, because it's different for everyone. And so when I work with people, I try to I try to listen to them and reflect back what they've said to me. Like you said, like you notice every time you eat this, you know, this just sets off, you know, this, just this, this train that you can't get back from. So why don't we try cutting that out? But I think what Holly was saying is, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, no, what I was saying though is what you, the thing, the more, less on the specific of just cutting it out, Mm -hmm. I think to Mm -hmm. some people holding on to alcohol as they're holding on to the log and, and swimming around it and swimming under it is an important concept. I mean, with like what you were just saying with food, just cutting it out, like, you know, like they have, they don't have the tools to get to where they want to go. And then all of a sudden they're stuck in the middle. And that's a lot of fear that a lot of people have. They're not willing Mm -hmm. to say, a lot of people that I work with are not willing to say, I'm going to stop. I'm just going to stop drinking forever. You know, they, it's, it's too much. And they need that log Mm -hmm. as they're starting to incorporate these other practices and build that community and do these other things. Um, that's, that's what I was saying was more, but there's an element of that that is, um, can be potentially fatal or dangerous. So, so there's the flip side because yeah. in 12 step, especially recovery, it's like, just stop drinking. And I think we're just right. curious but on your view. 12 steps, yeah. And I think this is part of what helps is the tools, um, are little things that you can hang on to. So while you're swimming around, you know, you can trick yourself into saying, okay, I'm not, that's, they say one day at a time. You can trick yourself into saying, okay, I'm not going to do this forever, but I'm just today. And so that's where I think, again, instead of saying like, okay, I'm doing, that's how it was for me. I remember thinking like, there's no way, I mean, how is it going to give up wine, you know? Um, And I remember it, and I don't know why I told myself this, because I felt like, you know, giving myself more credit than what I thought I was capable of. But I remember around 
you know, the spring thinking like, what am I going to do in the summer? What happens when I go on dates? What about tailgating? Like all of these things. And, and this I was thought, around food or around alcohol? This, oh, this was around alcohol. So I'll just, yeah. so that I can give the, hopefully, you know, some sense to the log analogy is that, um, I remember thinking, well, I'm just going to, I'll just stop drinking for now. And if that moment comes up and I really can't, you know, and I just have to have that drink, then I'm going to let myself. Um, and you know, that never came up. And so I was able to not drink long enough, um, to, to say, okay, this is actually something that I need to, or want to do. And so I think the tools for someone who's trying to give up something just cold Turkey, it's, it's the, the mind around it. Okay. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to jump off right now, but I'm going to tell myself that I can do it just for today. So do you think um, it's, I get, I still am not clear though, if you think it's different, if food is different than alcohol in terms of that. Oh right? yeah. Yes, I do. Sorry. I guess I'm not knowing how to answer it. Um, and so for food, I, I, again, yes, I think for food, it's just that there isn't just one answer, you know, and that's the thing for food. It is different. And so part of it is you have to figure out what that is for you. So there's a deeper an even deeper element, I think for someone struggling with food, because you kind of have, you to, have to eat. <laughs> Yeah, you have to eat and it's also going to what again what works for one person might not work for another. You know, jumping somebody might need to just okay, I'm not I'm not going to eat these certain foods and be done with it and really look at what's going on where that might not work for someone else. And so I feel like it's a lot more trial and error when it comes to food. Um and you have to be so in tune with yourself. Like for someone example who's bulimic, the best I know for some of the people that I know, um, just not purging had to be enough for the time being. They couldn't look at how else they were eating, what they were eating, what the other issues were. It was just to not purge and go from there. Um, and so yeah. I, I just, yeah, I guess I don't know if I'm answering the question, but I think for eating, um, there's just a lot more trial and error there while you're trying to figure out what it is exactly that you need to do and, and how to do it. Um, it's coping, you know, coping yeah. mechanisms. Um, well, and you're you're also not an addiction expert. I mean, in terms of right, alcohol. Right. So it's. <clears throat> I think we're asking you to answer something that maybe is. Um, I don't know. Everyone. But I mean, I I guess if the yes, I do think that it is different. I mean, for alcohol, for example, is basically don't drink, and here are the tools that will help you. For food, it's okay. First, we got to figure out what you're doing. <laughs> are you not eating this? Are you doing that? Like, we've got to figure out what is it that your body needs, and then go from there. Yeah. Um, so what? Um, so we kind of talked about like, let's talk about the addressing it. Like how you sort of you talked about facilitating, you know, sort of the trust and connection, mm-hmm. and starting from that from that point, but then how do you, how do you treat clients? How do you work with them? How do you, what are the sort of things that you do in a broad sense? Obviously Mm -hmm. it probably goes pretty deep, but I know, for example, I know that you are a a Course in Miracles uh, person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just other things that, you know, if you, if someone's listening and they are struggling, what Mm -hmm. are some of the things that you would recommend and and use for tools to? Yeah. I mean, the first thing uh, working with someone specific is first really creating a safe space. I think, I think that's one of the, like talking about letting go of the log is, 
is really creating for someone a safe space where they feel like they can be open and honest and nothing bad is going to happen and nothing, no one's going to force them to do anything. And, um, and, and realizing there's nothing to be ashamed about, you know, there's nothing, I think there's so much shame in, you know, having an eating disorder because we feel like there's just something wrong with us that we can't get this under control control and we don't realize that there's a whole bunch of other things going on so when I'm working with someone first I really try to create that safe space and I try to listen because I need to hear what's going on with them as with anyone if you're you're you you have if you're working with them or you're just related or have a friend who's going through an eating disorder it's really important to really listen to what's going on with them and then from there there's so many different things that you can do I mean definitely 12-step programs is a way to go um, depending on now someone who's bulimic or anorexic, that's, that's beyond, I feel like what I can help. I, I do think that it helps if you're, you're talking to someone who has been through what you've been through, yeah. um, and has gone through it so that they can help you. That's the other thing. It's really hard to relate to someone if they haven't been there just because there's so much that's kind of inexplicable. But if you've been through it with the other person, you, you don't have to say much. And you're like, yes, yes, I know, you know, yes, I know what you're going through and I've been there. Um, and so from there, then I start to to a couple of things. I think it's important to figure out what they're eating, what's going on, get a food plan in there. Or again, is there something that we need to let go of for the moment? Um, and to get some sort of practice in that gets them back in touch with themselves. So I hear you guys mention yoga a lot, which I think is great mm -hmm. because again, it's something that brings it all in. Yoga is a mental, emotional, physical thing. Yeah. And so whether, you know, it's that, whether it's some sort of meditation, whether it's some sort of prayer, and again, you don't have to believe in God for prayer. You can pray to your inner guidance system. You can just things that get a person back in tune with themselves. And then, yeah, we have to get a handle around the food somehow. Because the other thing, too, is, like, if you have something at least working, if you can give your body something to work with, it can start to work for you. So, for example, you know, if you can at least start to get some structure in your food or add in some foods that you didn't have, or then it will help. You won't feel as compelled to binge at the end of the day, if you've had a really healthy three meals a day or whatever it is, then if you've just been starving yourself all day because you're trying to be skinny and then, you know, so we try to build like the in physical it. imbalance. <clears throat> yeah. So I think it's important, it's important to work with the physical part. You know, it's important to really focus on getting those healthy, um, healthy, uh, what do you call it? Um, um, habits and practices. And again, every, and look at everything as information. If someone is like, I just can't do it and I'm trying and I just can't do it. It's like, okay, then let's, I mean, there's so much dissecting that can be, you know, that can go with, with, um, trying to get a hold on if you're out of control with your eating or an eating disorder, disordered eating, like there's just so many different layers of it, you know? Yeah. And, and to say, okay, what's that information there? You know, what is it that's holding you back? What's really going on in that moment, you know? Yeah. Um, and so when we get to the heart of what's really going on there, what they're looking for, then, and we start with that. And I, again, because I've seen that your body is working in your favor, I like, that's where I start. And then every person I've worked with always goes in its own direction. You get more, more will be revealed. You get more information. And so with each one, we kind of get through little breakthroughs as yeah. to, okay, what do we need to do next? What needs to be done next? And know that there's no one right or wrong way to do this. I think that, again, there's some basic things that will hold well for everyone. 
and just listening, compassion, um, sharing a story, feeling like you're being heard. Are there any, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. are there any other books besides that you love besides the eating in light of the moon? Um, and we can always, if there's tons, if you're like, oh my God, there's still at least 20, we can always uh, <laughs> e- email them and uh, post them with when we, post I, um, I'm sure there, I'm actually like all of a sudden drawing a blank, um, because there's so many books, uh, and yeah, there is, okay. I, I'm trying to, um, it's okay because it's- I also don't want to be not for but I want to be careful not to be putting different like diet books out yeah, there you yeah. know because uh, that tends to be what I've read and and I find I take a little bit of something from everything um sure. but this one you know Marion for women and this is I feel like this has been geared a lot towards women um men you know deal with this too yeah. and so I really want to honor and acknowledge them yeah. as well yeah um but I, for women, Marianne Do you, do, Williams, do you work with men? Uh, I don't. I haven't. Um, yeah, I'm just, just curious. Just at, yeah, and, and I think a couple of things, you know, I've just heard that you want to, you, to start with, you kind of pick a niche, and I know, uh, and there's just different things that, that come up that need to be handled. I'd heard from a mentor in the past, like men stick with women and women, or men stick with men and women stick with women. Yeah. And I think in the beginning, it's just because there, it's, because you're also dealing something with that's physical, I think there are things that men go through that only men would understand. Totally. And I think there are things that women go through that only women would understand. Yeah. You know, no, and I'm it's just about, was... Yeah, yeah. So it's about being safe. I mean, I have worked with men before, but it wasn't with eating disorders. It was just kind of you know, trying to get healthy. Um, you were saying Marianne Williamson anyway. Marianne Williamson, um, her book, uh, A Woman's Worth. Mm, I love that one. Is amazing because again it it touches on where the root of a lot of the eating disorder stuff is somewhere where we felt like we didn't have a voice you know something wasn't honored something was not allowed to be expressed and there would be a huge devastating loss for that and so a woman's worth really speaks to the the journey of of the female and and you know being that person who has a voice and what we go through so I felt like that was helpful for me when I was really like down and depressed and and um and going through it a woman's worth was like just felt like oh I'm being heard you know so I thought that was a good book um and of course in miracles just bringing that in so um the thing where I would relate the two is of course in miracles talks a lot about the ego you know being the voice of fear and uh what I think isn't touched on a lot is in when people talk about A Course in Miracles with the ego is that the ego is what was trying to protect us until it didn't work anymore. You know, it's the same thing as having an eating disorder, you know, or an addiction. It's trying to help you survive until mm-hmm. it doesn't work anymore and you're ready for something else. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing as any, because if the ego is a voice of fear, don't do that because what someone's going to say or, or just really thinking that someone's attacking you. Um, it's because... You know, maybe if at that point you decided to face it head on, you wouldn't have been able to handle it. And so I think it's important to realize that with the ego or that voice of fear or the eating disorder, something we think is so bad or that's punishing us or this thing we have to, it it was actually there to help protect us and help us to survive until we were ready to to break free of that. And so I think with A Course in Miracles, I try to really, you know, the ego is there to help you and protect you while you're in a really vulnerable space. 
Um, and it, you know, it says in A Course in Miracles that the ego is suspicious at best and vicious at worst. Yes. Then if you don't deal with it at some point, then it's going to turn back around and can be pretty devastating. But in until you get to that point, and that's where you have that transition to say, no, actually, I want to take the, the road of, of changing this, of getting better, of, um, of looking for recovery, of having a better life, of being free, whatever that is. So I think that the, that's where I would relate the two of those. Um, and so, um, I have a, I have a question and a, a comment. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've heard any, if you've heard any of what you've listened to, if you've heard any of my story, but I had pretty severe bulimia. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for me, one of the things that I had rejected and that I couldn't handle, and my story was I would, I clean up the alcohol first and, and then I dealt with the sugar on some level and then I dealt with mm-hmm. pot and, and cigarettes. And one of the things that um, for me, a couple comments, one is um, I did a, a lot of spiritual work, a lot of spiritual mm-hmm. work, and then mm-hmm. found that that, did, that only got me so far. There was mm-hmm. what ended up what ended up really helping me was also really zoning in on some of the imbalances. So, you know, we talk about these allergies, talk about alcohol being an allergy, we talk about some foods being an allergy. And what I really think of when we think of when we think of that is that we are using something externally to fill something that's off balance in us. That's we're like self correcting mm-hmm. our endocrine system, we're self correcting our neurotransmitters, we're self correcting um gut imbalances we're self-correcting a lot of things and so for me like I there's a couple things I'm trying to wind to this point there's a couple things first I couldn't have gone on on I couldn't have done anything disciplinary because I always take disciplinary to the extreme I take diets Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. off I mean I you know I go crazy when I do them so one of the things that's really helped me was actually moving through this and starting to look at correcting some of those things so I wasn't just reaching outside of myself physically and also doing it in a way that really honored the fact that I couldn't go on a diet Um, and now I'm to the point now I'm to the point where I have been able to eliminate stuff I'm doing the candida cleanse right now and so I I, Mm -hmm, I am mm -hmm. to the point where I have been able to I'm now able to not go nuts and and like obsess about it and go off the rails but I'm just curious of how you kind of do this you know in your work how do you approach something like that which is like the you know creating discipline around somebody that goes nuts with discipline and factoring in the physical imbalances that are that are there and factoring the spiritual imbalances that are there because it's like um it's so I know you so said much it's, it's I know. So, so much it's so complicated much. yeah well, I think in realizing something, I'm glad you touched on that because the, the thing that I forgot to mention that, that's important and um, I think that are helpful in, in differentiating is that eating disorder, it's it's a process addiction and, and it's about like, even though at some point, maybe you think it's, it's something that, yeah, you, we've discussed, maybe you shouldn't be eating sugar or there's things that trigger, it's the behavior that we're addicted to. And so, yeah, so that's part of, I don't think I, I would specified that that part of um healing is really looking at your behaviors around the food and like you said i think that because perfectionism is such a part of it for some people it's really important to not you know uh, um say we're going to eat this way we're going to have a food plan let's take this out of the diet like some of it is and it's scary oh oh you know what the other book is is janine roth's book women food and god yeah. Women, food, yeah, and God. God. Yeah. Long time ago. And so she, you know, talks about how, 
and as scary as it is, and this is something I never would have been able to do, but she was like, just let yourself eat whatever you want until yeah. you balance yourself out, yeah. you know? And if that means binging for a while, at some point, your body is going to be like, no more. But don't you um, think, but don't you think, I mean, for me, that wasn't the case. It did not just balance out. I've had to do a lot of work. Like I've had to do amino acid therapy. I've had, I have had to change my diet and I have had to retool mm-hmm. my neurochemicals and I have had to, you know, like work on balancing my gut and all sorts of stuff. It just didn't just do it on its own because I found God. Like that's what I, I, th- I think that was the point I was asking is how do we start to bring in these Well, very because it's real... all connected and that's where I think it's important. I try to really point out to people it's not just the spiritual work. Like, the, yeah, like you said, it will get you so far, but we're having a human experience. We have to figure out what's going on with our bodies as well. It's important to do all of it. And and again, right now, and I know it's frustrating to think all oh, the work we had to do, and I had to do this and this and this and this. But what it's done is completely restructured you. So I promise you in a few years, you're going to see where your recovery has really taken you to a place of being such an amazing woman and having so much to offer the world and you're going to love your life and who you are from that point on and you had to have all of those different things that you did and all of those years what we feel that are lost but they're really not um right now because i think you're probably still really close to it's what it feels like but um but yeah it's a real and that's i mean isn't that the point of life is to really figure out how do I appreciate being human and take care of myself and my body and have a spiritual life and, you know, bring in the community? How do I do all of those things? And so some of us really have to be hit over the head with it, you know? Yeah, it seems um, like what you said about, you know, the point of starting at a point of listening, because it's not, I think every, especially in this case, everybody in Holly always says this, like our addictions are as complicated as we are or you know, the, the treatment is as, is as complex and complicated as we are. Like, it has to start from a point of listening and mm-hmm. trial and error. Like, I mean, sometimes you just throw things at the wall until you, you find something that yeah. sticks. But working with somebody, working with somebody and getting help from people who have been there, um, not trying to, like, do this stuff on your own necessarily. Um, yeah, and I think that's important, I think, with everyone, what I found in like, whether I'm coaching someone through eating disorder or something different, and this is just something, I don't know if I'm right or wrong that I came up with, but I think we are wired to fail as humans. If you try to do something on your own, it's just not going to happen. And you hear it from people like, oh, well, I, I knew I should do this and I tried this and it just didn't work. Like we are wired to succeed as part of something bigger than ourselves, whether it's a community or some spiritual thing that you've been through. And so, but to also listen to yourself, does this person, do I resonate with that person or do they turn me off? Like go to where it feels good, you know, go to the person that you're like, okay, I think I can let my guard down a little bit here. Um, I hear your kids in the back. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. And I'm like, of course, they're both hysterical right now. That's okay. (laughs) We're going to bring it to an end because we're we're after the hour, but thank you so much. Like, this is great. Oh, thank um, you. I'm, I'm I hope I was able to be helpful yeah. for, you know, anyone that was listening. And it was really great to talk to you guys. And good luck with all of this. I'm so happy you're doing it. Thank you. Thanks so yeah. much. So, okay. On that alarm of mine, of my kids. <laughs> all right.